0: Uh, verses 14 to 16, Philippians 2, 14 to 16, and Lord, I pray you just bless this time, speak to our hearts, and change our lives in Jesus' name. It says, "...do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation." among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Paul's letter to the Philippians, and here in this short passage you have some pretty big contrasts, right? You've got the contrast of being blameless and harmless, without fault, in blameless and harmless versus crooked and perverse. you got a corrupt world. you got be without fault. You've got shining lights. And we know that the world is a world of darkness. We have laboring. He doesn't want to labor in vain. And, you know, there's vanity and you can... I could have gone on that trip and not seen anything happen and it wouldn't have been fun. But there's these contrasts. And it all comes from being different, from crooked and perverse, and from darkness and from vanity, we are to be harmless, blameless, shining as lights and, and going forward in meaning in this world. And so when you have such powerful contrasts like that, contrasts mean conflict. And when you hold fast the word of life, which is what we're gonna be talking about, you're going to be a contrast to who you are among And it could present a conflict to your atmosphere, to your environment, to your workplace, to your school, to your home, to your situation. Because we are dangerous when we hold the word of life. We become a threat, not to people, but to the devil's kingdom. The devil has a hold on people. The devil has a hold on society, culture, the world. He likes things crooked and perverse. But when we shine as the children of God, because we hold fast the word of life, it does something to him. It angers him. We have problems. He wants to retaliate, but it shakes his kingdom. And I always remember, the Lord showed me this on a trip to the Philippines. We would just come into the Philippines. We were going to do pastoral training and leader training and things like that. And we took a two-hour ride down to the village we were staying in. And as the pastor drove in front of us. We were in another vehicle and he was going down pretty fast down this dark road at night and a dog ran across his vehicle and he slammed on the brakes and just missed the dog. But this couple on a motorcycle went bam right into the back of his vehicle and they fell off. We thought, oh, they're dead. But uh, thankfully, they were okay. They were wearing helmets. That's a good lesson to learn. Wear your helmets if you're on a motorcycle. But they, they had fallen off, and I thought, wow, that could have been something terrible. And it shook me up a little bit, and I felt like the Lord was saying, this is what's happening. You're coming into a new area, and you're bringing a word of life. You're going to bring something that's going to make a bang in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realms. That's how we need to see ourselves. Not like, well, who am I, and I'm just giving a, a witness here or something. But we are actually poking holes into spiritual darkness and shining the light of God and this is what happens is sometimes that word can create a bang in the kingdom and it can knock people off of their carts off of their motors off of their horses and things but they'll be okay because the word doesn't destroy the power of the words we talked about a couple weeks ago it's powerful it's not a destructive power that's what makes God's power so exceeding and abundantly better than any other power you know, you think of power It's any fool can wield power and destroy things. But the word doesn't destroy. The word brings life and the word of life. The word can bring life into our life and then be so powerful that even us in our limited condition, we can wield that power by giving the word, sharing the word with others. So when I went to Kyrgyzstan, I didn't want to teach them the Bible. That's not what I'm. I hope that doesn't come across like that. I don't go to teach these leaders. We th- used to teach uh, the Chinese pastors and I thought I shouldn't be teaching them they need to be teaching me I mean many of them have spent time in prison have gone through hardships and have remained faithful in spite of all the odds against them and I think who am I I, I live in cushy America and I have the freedom to do all this stuff and and you know they should be teaching me and the Lord showed me and kind of spoke to my heart and said no you're right, they should be teaching, they've got something to teach you, but you have something to teach them too. You have received something that I want to give to them. And each of us, each of us can teach someone else. It may be something that you don't, uh, you don't preach and teach so much as a minister going in, but you live, you hold forth the word of life, you become an example, you shine, and there's teaching going on because your life is a mission for the kingdom and you can make a, a powerful impact on others just by being around. The sun shines and doesn't have to do anything, but the presence of the sunshine is conducive to life outside. And your presence is conducive to life wherever you are, if you're holding fast the word of life. And so many Christians, they, they know the word, but they don't think of themselves As holding it fast and being that light that Jesus said you are. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He said he was the light. He said you are the light. And uh, we let the devil get us down and think we, we shouldn't be teaching anybody. We don't have anything to say. No, God's given each one of you something special. If you're following him, if you're being faithful, if you're in the word, you have something to contribute in the work. So... We're going to talk about that. Now, how? Um, I have a note here I wanted to read. Yeah. Paul is clearly interested uh, in shining among a crooked and perverse nation. That means that he's interested in a Christian witness. So that's the question I want to uh, challenge everyone with today is how is your Christian witness? And do you have a Christian witness? And was it mean to be a Christian witness? It doesn't mean that you have to go through the tract with somebody on the bus or on the airplane. It doesn't mean that you have to share the gospel with every cashier you encounter at Walmart. Although that'd be great. I say more power to you. Share with people. Tell them. But tell them from your heart. Tell them from what God's done for you. Tell them because you care and have compassion. But no canned presentation and and, uh, all this kind of thing. But it's not just sharing by words. Again, it's shining with light. And how do you do this? And we look through this passage, we get some hints. First thing he says is, do all things without complaining and disputing. There's a contrast right there. We, as believers, ought not to be complaining and disputing. The world is characterized by complaining and disputing. How is the Christian characterized? We're characterized by thanksgiving and by giving praises, by exalting someone above us, by considering others before us. And yet, uh, we often give in to the way the world gives in. Social media has given us quite a platform for complaining and disputing. You know, there's th- we got to be careful we got to be careful that we don't fall in the trap. And a lot of people did this during... It's coming up again in 2020. There's going to be a campaign and there's going to be politics and there's going to be some complaining and disputing and stuff. And I'm not saying you don't, you don't get involved with things, but you watch what's coming out of me. How am I presenting myself? Am I a complainer? Am I a whiner? Am I uh, like the Rolling Stones? I can't get no satisfaction and everything's wrong, right? No. We need to watch what we're saying so that we can care about how we're witnessing to others. Not that we're necessarily giving a gospel presentation, but our witnesses, we're not complainers. And we need to witness to ourselves. I'm guilty of this, but we complain a lot in our heads. We may not speak the complaints. We may not speak it, right? But, man, when I got on that plane... uh, leaving at 2 a.m. in the morning. It was a little cold and I needed a blanket and I said, excuse me, do you have a blanket? And they said, no. And the complaining started. What kind of airline is this? that's on this long flight. And, and it, she wasn't very nice when she said that. And then I said, I need some coffee. Oh, we don't serve coffee till after the next round of serve. I was like, Most international flights serve coffee. I had started complaining and I started realizing, man, I'm just doing all kinds of complaining in my head right now. And uh, I got to stop. Because when you do this, it's, it's a, you know, at least you're not doing it verbally and not having a bad witness. But it brings you into a place of insecurity. It brings you into a place where you have no peace. You're rehearsing what's wrong and you're putting yourself on the throne of the world thinking everything's got to go your way, be right, what's better is to replace that to say, hey, uh, you know, what can I be thankful for, uh, for about in this situation? How can I be, instead of complaining, trusting? Is that's what the Lord wants, trusting. And when we trust, that shows that we are secure. We, we can be secure. If I trust that you're going to do what I asked you to do, I'm not going to wrangle about it. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to be all uptight. I'm just going to rest and trust that uh, everything's going to be okay. And uh, so I had to watch myself and I still will need to watch myself. But that's why I'm here to just remind us all we need to watch ourselves. What's running in your head? If it's always complaints, if it's always that negative stream, your peace is going to fly away. And it's better to think for a minute of what we can be thankful for. And that makes a huge difference. That's different from w- the way the world works. But trusting can be peace. Disputing, we often dispute, and again, this is a little bit different than complaining. You have the, the politics and everything. You have you know, the world bickering over issues, disputing the actual... Meaning of the Greek in that section of Scripture is is talking about questioning and reasoning and doubting. So here's another place where it hurts our, our peace. If we are questioning, reasoning, and doubting all the time, and again it happens more on the inside than verbally quite often. The Lord gives you a promise and says, I will provide all your needs. But then you start questioning, reasoning, and doubting in your head. Well, where is it going to come from? Or, you know, I don't see how it's possible. Or, how's this situation going to... we start going through all this, i got to see a way for this to work in order to say, I believe. What if we just believed without having to see how it's all going to come together? And again, I'm talking to myself. I go through it. How can this possibly happen? What if we just had childlike faith? You know, Jesus said to, we must become like children to enter the kingdom of God. Doesn't mean we have childish faith that we don't have any warrant for what we believe. But childlike faith is like, He's a good father. I trust Him. His word says this. I trust Him. But what about? What? 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 what, what stop it! No more questioning, reasoning, and doubting in my mind. This is this too is not something that just changes overnight with with oh that's the way I'll be. Well, you've got to catch yourself and correct yourself. And as you do that, things will start to change. And there's more peace when we give it to the Lord and we have a childlike faith about that. We, so the whole contrast here, computing, complaining and disputing versus trusting and childlike faith. And you see the ultimate contrast in Jesus Jesus never got caught up in the wranglings. You know they tried to trick him, but he had wisdom. Where do we get wisdom? We get wisdom from walking with him by being in the word. We can get uh, caught up in their wranglings or we can be like Jesus. He's the contrast. And Jesus was never uh, in a complaining, disputing manner, it says that there was no, no sin found in, in him, no, no deceit found in his mouth. First Peter 2:22. No guile found in his mouth. No deceit found in his mouth. But I'd just as soon lump into there. There was no complaining, no sin, nothing foul coming out of his mouth. He was at peace all the time because he was in the presence of the Father, doing what he saw the Father doing, looking to the Father. And that's that's our the way we can be, too. We look to him in, in childlike faith, trust. There's our security. Are you anxious? Are you... Are you without peace? Is there something you need to see happen? What's the word say? How's the Lord your anchor, your strength? Can he be? Well, if you're questioning, disputing, and reasoning, you might come up with all the uh, he can't be. Instead, give him everything and say, the word says, and I'm going to rest in him. This is how we grow. This is is not an overnight thing, but you grow in faith this way, right? Okay, so the next thing he says, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault. Well, that's a big order. Becoming blameless and harmless, children of God without fault. Who can be that? He doesn't say that you are that. He says you can become that. And already, if you've tracked with me, for the past year, you should understand that you are that spiritually. If God has come into your life and his righteousness has become your righteousness, your spiritual inner core being is all of that already, blameless and harmless, perfect in the sight of God. It's what comes out of us. It's working that reality into our, our soul and our flesh, into our daily walk, our daily life, that we grow in these things and we can become we can become blameless and harmless. And how can you become blameless and harmless? He says do that do things without complaining and disputing. Be trusting, have childlike faith, be aware that you are a witness and you will be blameless and harmless. And you know what? That doesn't mean that you're perfect in every situation. We all know that there's no perfection this side of heaven. But you can still be blameless and harmless being an imperfect sod. Is that a British word or something? I don't know. It just means something. Um, But here's how you're blameless and harmless when you're an imperfect sod. You own your wrong. If you mess up, you confess up. See, the problem is a lot of people mess up and then they act like nothing's happened or they act like you shouldn't be bothered you shouldn't care. But if you do a wrong or if you mess up, Confess up and say, hey, I missed it there. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It might just be between you and the Lord, but it may, oftentimes we do rub people the wrong way in things and, and maybe we just need to own it. And when we own these things, people say, hey, that's a real person. They're not perfect, but they're willing to admit when they're wrong. And there, you're blameless and harmless. You have you have erased any harm or blame by owning up to that. That you may be children of God. And this is a huge key to our witness, that we are children of God. It is our identity. How do you carry yourself? How do you carry yourself as a Christian believer? Are you under a a slave mentality? Are you under a God's just tolerating me mentality? Or are you under a, I'm a child of God, and he loves me mentality. You know, a lot of people in the church, it's under a legalistic law type of rule, feel like I just got to do better, I got to do all the right things, and God can't possibly be pleased with me, but I've got to serve him, i got to serve him. The Bible does talk about being servants and slaves of righteousness, but that's not uh, the whip you into submission type of slave that a lot of people fall under. A lot of people are always feeling condemned. A lot of people are always feeling like I can't measure up and i got to keep doing good because God's got that whip on me and I I know he's worthy of me doing right, but I just can't seem to do it. But i got to do better, do better, do better. And that's not the way he wants it. He wants a slave of righteousness, but he wants a slave out of love, just as we would be slaves to anyone we dearly love. We want to serve them. We want to give ourselves for their blessing and benefit that's what he's talking about our primary identity is children. Again, how can you have a childlike faith if you're not a child? you got to see yourself I'm a child of God I'm a child of the king I'm I'm royalty and the the beautiful thing is is he he loves me with a, a passionate love in first John chapter 3 verse 1 one of the great verses in the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Behold, what manner of love are you walking as a loved child? Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God as dear children. So you know, a lot of people go through church and they think, Well, yeah, I'm a child of God. Yeah, I know the doctrine. Yeah, I know what my pastor says and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm a child. But are you an imitator of God as a dear? What's dear? It's a term of affection, endearment. A dear child. This is what motivates me to shine as a light, to hold fast the word of life, to want to encourage, to want to be encouraged in the things of God, to serve the kingdom, to understand that the King of kings, Lord of lords, the creator of all, loves me. And it's not just a tolerating love. It's, I really love you. How can that be? Now there's the reasoning, the questioning, the the doubting, the disputing. you know you got to say forget that I'll just take it. if God loves me then he loves me. It's his it's his business, not mine right Well it is I, I enter into it by his grace. So quit talking yourself out of God's love. quit trying to measure up so that he can love you because you'll never measure up. He loves you because of Jesus. He loves you because God is loved. He loves you and that's who you are and that's how you're going to shine in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. When he says in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, there's a good news in this. Uh, because the word is generation. When I when I walked away from this, I kept saying world in a crooked, perverse world. But no, I had to go back and look, and it's generation. It means that it's it's a time, it's an age. It's only crooked and perverse for a while. It's a generation. And you know, back in Paul's time was as bad as it is in this time. Some people think, oh, it's getting so much worse in these days. Well, it is getting worse relatively compared to what it's been, but it's not any worse than the way things have been in other places, in other ages, in other generations, right? It's always, this is the story of this age, the world's age, the the time before Jesus returns, crooked and perverse. But it means that it's going to pass. A generation passes. It will not last. But while it is here, we have a job to be shining as lights, so, the meantime as we wait, uh, it is a mean time in the crooked and perverse time. And how are we to be witnesses about that? We are to be in the world, but not of the world. Jesus said that they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. If you are a child of God, what is your identity? You are a, a supernatural created being from heaven that's living in an earth suit but is not of this world and yet must be in this world. So how do you manage in this world? How can you be a light when there's so much darkness? First of all, the darkness doesn't put out light. Whenever you're in a dark room, you turn light on, that's the end of the darkness, right? But it has to be light in your heart first. It has to be light where you're not intimidated by this crooked and perverse nation. And uh, one of the best examples, I read a preacher bring this up a long time ago, and I went back and looked it up. But uh, there's a creature called a water spider. A water spider, and what a water spider does is goes to the surface and attracts air bubbles from the water, from the surface of the water, attracts air bubbles on the hairs of its little body and legs, takes these air bubbles down to a silk web underneath that's He's attached to a a plant or some object underneath. And goes down to that silk web and inflates the web with these air bubbles and lives in this bubble underneath the water. So here he is, this water spider, he or she, water spider, is living in this world of water but is not touched by the water, living in a bubble with adequate oxygen. And what a picture for us as we are children of God. We can actually be untouched by the crooked and perverse around us because we are enveloped in the love of God and the power of God and the word of life that we hold fast. We are in this, this oxygen from heaven if you'll get it. But you have to go up to the surface to get it. See, the water spider only has enough for about a day and then they have to go back up to the surface, get more air and come back down and inflate that web again. And so here's a good encouragement to be in your quiet time with the Lord, to make those trips up into the heavenlies, to get into the word, to get into prayer, to receive the oxygen from heaven so that you can go immerse yourself again into this world, but you're covered and surrounded by this divine heavenly bubble. Amen. Amen. I love that. That's a you can look that up in the Encyclopedia Britannica, but I have to credit I think A.B. Simpson wrote that in the 1800s or something. Too good to pass up. But that's our story, right? Oh, but and the other thing I learned from the uh, the encyclopedia article is that those air bubbles cause a silvery shimmering effect on the spider. So, what is that but the shiny Aspect. When you when you have that from the surface, you can be uh, silvery and shimmering like that spider. And so the word says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. The Rotherham translation says, as whom you appear as luminaries. Weymouth translation says, whom you are seen as heavenly lights in the world. So how do you carry yourself? Do you consider yourself as a heavenly light? You are an ambassador. And that's what missions is all about. Missions is being an ambassador to the nations, an ambassador to the world. Whether it's overseas in Kyrgyzstan or whether it's right here in Oak Ridge, we can put on Christ and be his shining light. Um, And how does that work? It works by holding fast the word. And Psalm 119.105 says that the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you're going to be in the darkness, you're going to need that lamp unto your feet, that light unto your path. Uh, as Randy mentioned, going through the fog, you better have that light on in the fog so that you can know which way to go as it's approaching. But the amount of word you have is going to determine how much light you shine. The amount of word you have that you put in yourself and you put in your mind, your heart, in your mouth, that's how much you're going to shine. There are too many dim lights in Christendom in our culture. There are too many dim lights in the church at large because there's so little of the word being taken in and being held. Hold fast the word of life. What does that mean? To hold fast... To hold fast. It, it can mean two things. It can mean to hold fast or to hold forth. Many have everything, but they hold nothing. Many have the word, but they hold none of it. And what do you talk about? Well, just go back to your Declaration of Independence. What are the first lines in that? We we hold these truths to be self-evident. and And so on. We go on. When you have the truth it might be that you just have it, but if you hold it, it's something that you are embracing. It's something that you are uh, applying. And so to hold fast, if you are embracing that word, it's going to hold forth. The word is going to be a lamp to yourself. The word word is going to be a lamp to others. But you have to hold it. It has to become uh, important. It has to be... Uh, a tool. It's not just it's not just something that you read and forget about, but it's something that you take as your nourishment, that you want to improve your walk with God with, and you also take it as a mission, a calling. If I want to be a servant of God and shining the highest light, I want to be holding this the fastest I can, holding fast, an Old English way of holding it strong. Holding it well. And when you hold it well, it's going to be holding forth. And it's going to affect how you witness. It's going to change some of the words you speak. It's going to change some of the reactions that you you have among others. It's going to put compassion in your heart where you didn't have it before. It's going to give you a care for things that you didn't think you might have cares for before. But it's going to propel you. When you put it in your heart. And so that's what I've been saying before I left. You know, we've been talking about the word all this time. It all comes down to this that it's going to affect us and it's going to affect our surroundings through us. And finally, Paul says so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. And what do we learn from this? But that it affects Paul, what they do with that word. It affects Paul, what they do, whether they're going to shine or not. And the same thing with us. No one is a lone ranger in the body of Christ. We're all on the same mission. And your success is Paul's success. And your success is my success. And my success is your success. No one is a part of if, if you do not shine, if you fail, if you have problems, it grieves us, it hurts us. We all ache for each other as we go through trials. But we also, we get damaged when somebody falls into scandal in the world and they claim to be a Christian. That affects us too. Nobody is a part, nobody's a lone ranger. We all have to be on game for the high calling that God has brought us into. And when we do we're stronger together. This body of Christ, this little Faith Bible fellowship can be a powerful mighty work of God as we are united to let the word be affecting us and to be tra- taking it out to others and letting it transform our environments. But it's all we're in this together. And again, you know, it's it, you can be shining and you don't even realize it. What can I do? I don't have any influence. Yeah, I was at a Chinese school my first years in China, and I was teaching 60 high school students who were so noisy, and I was trying to get them speak English, and it's not going to happen, I'll just tell you that. It's not going to happen with 60 rowdy Chinese high school students, and they don't know English anyway, and then they're all uncontrollable in the room. And I thought, what a failure I am. What could I do in that classroom? I couldn't do anything. Nobody could do anything with 60 of them give me 20 or 10 better, but 60, no. And so it came to the end of the semester, and I thought, what a miserable failure, train wreck of an English teacher I was. And the principal the principal of the school said, we thank you so much for your service here. You were a great teacher. I said, what? What are you talking about? I was a lousy teacher. <laughs> they said, no. He said, because you showed up to all your classes, and when you couldn't make it or were sick or something, you let us know But the teacher before you, the teacher before you was always late, never came to class when they were supposed to, and they they didn't let us know when they weren't going to be here. All this stuff, I did not realize that God was bringing a contrast. Remember, we are contrasters to the darkness. And there was a dark period with them, with another teacher, that I was unaware of. You may be the contrasting light in somebody's life that you have no idea that you are repairing or mending a hole that some other dark contrast had had put put there before or something like that. That didn't come out elegantly or fluently, but I think you got the point, right? Say amen. Okay, good. Thank you. I need some of that. I need some help. <laughs> okay. So yeah, what can you do? You're dangerous. You can make a bang even when you don't think you could do anything else. And uh, I'm just going to leave you with one other. You know, in China, we got uh, to these villages sometimes, the school we were working for. They took us on these field trips to these countryside villages, which is funny, in Kyrgyzstan they said, I'm going to take you to a village, and they took me, and it was nothing like a countryside village. I was, just, I was conditioned with the wrong idea. I thought, oh, I need to readjust here. But anyway, we used to go to these very remote places, in the mountains, and uh, we're talking National Geographic type of people groups that we interacted with. And there I was at the ends of the earth, barely able to speak standard Chinese in a village of uh, tribal people that didn't even speak standard Chinese. They spoke their own language. And I thought, Lord, how in the world can we make any difference here? How can we shine the light And I'm at the end of the earth being so close and yet being helpless as a baby. But, you know, you may feel helpless as a baby, but you can never be a baby about it. Just have childlike faith and trust the Lord. Say, you know what you're doing. You You can make even this something positive. We can still shine even when we don't think about it. And, you know, I've been in places like that where I couldn't communicate with someone. but I made eye contact with someone, and for a moment, all eternity stopped, and there was a connection in that eye contact. There was compassion. There was care, and that person seemed to receive it. I couldn't say a word, but they saw it in my eyes. I mean, if you just have that in your heart, and you can transfer it to others somehow, but even when you don't think you can do anything, your presence has made a difference, I believe, because later on, Even though I couldn't speak in that village I was at, we had a team coming from America, and uh, I was hosting them, and I didn't know what I was going to do with them, but they came, and the Lord opened doors, but one of the people on this team was a tribal person from Thailand. It was a team from America, but they had a friend in Thailand that they picked up who spoke English and also spoke the tribal language of many of the people in the villages that we'd been working in. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And guess what I did? I got able, I, I was able to take this, this person and the team to some of these village areas where I never could speak their language. And there she was, witnessing to them, bringing the gospel. She would have never gotten to those villages if I didn't know where they were and I hadn't been there first. So God had a way, had a plan, even when I felt helpless, He was able to bring the right person in at the right time and make good with what he had. And, you know, what you have, you may not feel as much or may not be adequate, but he can make good with what you have if you just submit to him and hold that word of life fast. We don't go to teach the pastors intellectual theology. We go to bring them life. Say, I know you're tired. You need a word of life right now to revive. And hopefully that's what you get in Sundays here. We want to revive for the week and get a word of life. It's a word of truth, and it's a word of life. And you can be used when you're alive and you shine. And and that, that girl that came in that village, she had a, a pastor and a whole team that she brought with her on another trip. So we just we had Bibles in that language we were throwing out to people, and we were going and witnessing to people and places. And I just was amazed at how God can answer things that you didn't even ask or imagine. There's a scripture about that, isn't there? Ephesians chapter 3. I believe it's 20 or 21. But, uh, yeah, it's scriptural. So I want to encourage you with that this morning. I want to thank you for putting up with me, uh, being gone for a couple weeks. And uh, as we go forward... In the days ahead, let's let's be mindful of how we can bring the word of life to others and how we can grow in it ourselves. And let's encourage each other with it and revive each other because it's not just me preaching. It's everybody sharing uh, what the Lord's doing in your life with each other that's going to really boost us and strengthen us. Amen.